Blog Talk Radio. Have you ever Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachma. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mind Shifters Radio. Hi, Dr. Tim. Hi, Susan. Are you? Can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you. Dr. Tim just sent me a text that it kicked him out. So. Oh no. Oh no. Yeah. It took this us about terrible for you guys. Seventeen minutes to actually get in. Yep. Well, I've been uh, coming in and out as I kind of restructure my day, boy. Oh yeah, I was looking forward to this show. It looked as if we were back in business. I know. Let me uh, look up here and see. Oh, there he is. Oh, there he is. All right. You got at least two of us, Doctor Tim. <laughs> well, I um, I also was getting a text from Gail. I'm letting her know. You know, it seems like there's a, a, a blackout of information on the web. Like they're scouring anybody that might have news about this and blocking them. Wow. Because I've been searching for any news about the blog talk radio being out or down or outages. And basically mm-hmm. all I get are... Um, Sponsored sites that want me to pay for a service to monitor when websites go down, so you can know if it went down just for you or if it's down for everybody. So we have mm-hmm. Magda's numbers on, and her her microphone is open. Howdy. <laughs> and Susan hey. and Jeannie. Yeah. Great, we're all here. <laughs> I only called in three or four times when I finally got to you, so. Uh, yeah, I've often wondered that, Dr. Tim, if the people who are uh, having forming businesses to protect you from something or alert you to something are the same people who do the the um, kind of activity that you need protection from. So they kind of create their own business. How about that? Well, the email I, that I, I got... I had gotten an email from Blog Talk, you know, again, apologizing. I had asked them specifically, you know, what's going on, and they didn't answer that. But they did offer to give us uh, January free. And, um, you know, they alluded to, without specifically saying, you know, I'll ask them again, but they alluded to that it was all across the board, not just our show that was being hit. Hmm. 
Right. Well, it is. Um, I tried looking, listening to other shows through the live feed, and um, it just keeps kicking me off. Mm-hmm. So you know, if I, 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 the other thing that I noticed is when I went to live on Blog Talk Radio and searched what shows are live the vast majority of them are religious. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's, it's a, a thing about, you know, they're tracking me because I usually check Mindshifters Radio or if, you know, those are the only ones that are, are really continue trying. I don't know. But when I click on them to listen to them, they say they're live, and it's, it kicks me off, just like, you know, ours was doing. So, so here we are. Um, Susan Bingham, you said you had uh, anxiously looked forward to this. What's on your mind? Well, I listened to your Andrea Alexander podcast and had a question about that. That was amazing. You, from Journey's Dream, you interviewed her. And yes. it sounds like a very really re- recent one, like a week yes. ago or two. Yeah. Well, Very it, interesting. It, yeah. it was literally like two months ago, but that's because um, that service, Potatize, went down for a few weeks. But, yes. Brother. Oh, wow. It was fairly And then the other one. Okay. Well, that was wonderful. And totally, and my question, I guess I'll just ask my question about that, the global question. If you can read the eye, are we just holographs or holograms? I don't know which is which. Like, for instance, if she took a cell from my fingernail, could she, I mean, ostensibly, could someone read that? Is all our information available anywhere in our bodies? I just began thinking about that. Well, it it might be. But one of the things I would want you to understand about that, that process that she does, what my understanding from it is that, it's just like a tarot card reading or uh, um, yeah. something else where okay. you, you get this energetic impression and you make a statement and the person you're with either tells you that's relevant or not. And so it's not like um, reading the DNA. Okay. Right? And, and yet right. Th- there are changes that, they can see that Mark Mark can see in his eyes that when Andrea says this is related to this work or this issue, he can see that it makes sense. And yeah. then as he does work on that, he can see the changes. But it isn't mm-hmm. it isn't like oh you've got we looked at your blood under a microscope and we see the German measles um, you know infection. It's not like that. Yeah, I see. That's helpful. Because, of course, somebody like me, I'd like to have, like what Michael says, give it to me in five minutes. I would love to have somebody do a reading and say, oh, yes, this is it, and this is what you have to do. Well, I've been doing that, but on the slow course, by using the tools and doing talk <laughs> therapy. You know, yes, I wanted exactly. a fast track. Yeah, so, it, it is okay, a well, slow course. Yes. Well, but it's a sure course, too. It's... 
So that's great answer. So I took pictures of my eyes and I thought, should I send my pictures of my eyes? And I thought, wait one minute. I'm just, you know, it's like digging 25 little wells instead of staying with one dig and going deep. I'm always tempted with some flashy new thing. So. Well, you're not alone. Lots of us are. Mm. And then the other thing is, I'm reading this give and take book with ever more fascination. I had read about, I'm about toward, well, I'm a third of the way through, where he's talking about an experiment done in classrooms with small children, young children. And if the teachers were told that this small group of children were the gifted ones, the kids became the gifted ones because of the confidence and respect and attention that those teachers gave to those children. The children thrived on it. And isn't that the same thing as the forgiveness work where you see the highest and best in another person? And then the person can become the best that they are and will feel inclined to do that. But I'm sort of well, jumped the I, gun. I, I think it's, it's yes. absolutely a powerful factor. It certainly isn't yeah. the be all and end all, right? You can't. No. You, right. You, you can't just say you take anybody from any level of trauma, and you know start thinking of them lovingly and praising them and telling them how smart they are, and all of a sudden they transform. And yet, mm-hmm. that's a powerful factor. It is a powerful factor, and we found this when we were working with kids in the schools having them help write operas, fairy tale operas and things. I've told you about this before. I'd be told by a teacher, oh, this guy is really not easy, you know, and so we'd give him a job. We'd make him the drummer or we would give him an assignment and sort of build him up. And the kid fell in. There was only one kid that didn't do that, that kept going outside the lines and being disruptive and really making learning in the classroom very difficult. He was the only one that I saw that happen to. And his mother came in and observed what was happening in the classroom. And she went ballistic against us. She said, you're being unkind to him. You're, I mean, by the time she came in, we had set him aside, had him sit aside and draw while we worked with the kid, and she said, you're being cruel to him, and we tried to explain to her what had been happening over and over. And the woman who was working with me, she took the brunt of most of it. She ended up in tears. This is a really experienced older teacher who just, the the invective of that angry mother, and boy, I get, you know, mothers can be so protective. She, that's beside the point, but most of the time, the children who appeared to have some problems social, you know, integrating themselves in the class, would it would clean right up when they were given attention. So I loved reading this. And that, did you, do you remember, you must remember that quote that was attributed to Goethe, when we treat man as he is, that's interesting, we make him worse than he is. I love it. <laughs> when we treat him as if he already were, what he potentially could be, we make him what he should be. I would change the wording of that. We make him what he, who he really is, as I'd say. But isn't that the best quote? 
Yeah, delightful. Mm. And it's you know it's it's the essence of from the Thomas Gospels. If you bring out what is within you, what is within you will heal you or save you. And if you mm-hmm. don't bring out what is within you, what is within you will destroy you. If you bring out your okay. brilliance, your your life shines. If you bring out your love, your life grows. If you bring out mm-hmm. the wounds and the bitterness, without you know love present, then you you just throw that angry energy out into the field and get more of it. Yeah. Boy, you see that so in so many ways with so many people, including oneself. But I wanted to ask you, what? how did you come upon that book? It was You said it was quite a which, while ago. Which book? The Give and Take, Adam Grant's book. Um, I... I don't know how I got it. I, I don't remember exactly how I came across yeah. it. Um, I probably, like most other books, somebody recommended it to me. Somebody that knows yeah. that I'm a psychologist and in the field, and so. I had a oh. very interesting. What? Go ahead. Sorry. You had a very talk interesting with my one. talk with. My oldest grandson, who's home for Christmas, my son's boy, he has been accepted into a financial institution in Boston. He's about to graduate from Northeastern in finance, actuarial stuff, stuff I wouldn't be able to understand if you even went through the very basics. But he was offered a job early in his time there because they have these internships. He came home and I said, well, I'm reading this book, and I said there are three categories of people who are looked at in this book, and they're called givers, matchers, and takers. And these are very gifted people in many fields who were studied. And I said, just off the top of the head and without knowing any more, who do you think would be most successful? And he said, oh, the takers. And I said, well, you're absolutely wrong, although it doesn't appear so at the beginning. The takers often build up big networks at the beginning and do very well, but it's the givers, and I explained to him what the givers do. It takes them longer, but once they're hooked in, uh, they end up being the most successful of all, and it's the most pleasant way to be successful. And he said, oh, that's so interesting. So I'm going to give him this book when I finish it. I think he'd really love it. And it would, imagine, you know, somebody going into a field like that. How how wonderful this would be to have this in your mind. Yep, that's exactly why I refer people to it whenever I see a, a connection, a potential connection or opportunity. Mm-hmm. Well, so those were the two things I wanted to ask about. I was just uh, thinking about the, and I don't know what it was that you said that sparked this, but there's a an episode from We Can Do Hard Things podcast um, titled, it's number 257, titled How to Finally Forgive with Nadia Woo. Bowles slash 
Weber. Dash Weber. And um, the thing that flashed in my mind was that she does work in women's prisons. And I don't, I don't know what it was that you said that sparked this or the, what the connection was, but what she talked about was um, that these women, the, the biggest thing about them is the dramatic deprivation of education, the lack wow. of education across the board for so many of them. And... Um, and she said, and she, you know, she just loves working with these women because they're just real people, and it's a whole segment of our population that we basically underserve and then warehouse. And um, and and one of the things that she said is she, you know, this this woman Nadia Bowles. Weber has written extensively and been, you know, a bestseller, et cetera. Um, and I, I haven't followed her work before, but she's had a lot of success. And a lot of it is about, you know, self-help, personal growth, spirituality, whatever. And she says when she goes into the prison, she doesn't, she, she no longer works with anything that she wouldn't feel comfortable taking into the women's prison. And so they asked her for an example of, well, what's something you wouldn't feel comfortable taking in there? And she said, well, all of this New Age stuff about manifesting, right? Mm -hmm. Here are these women who are not very well educated, who had trauma after trauma after trauma in their lives, and they've, you know, they've done whatever they can to survive and cope in a very unforgiving culture. Mm. And so she said, uh, the one example was that she was sitting next to a woman the day before this interview took place. And she noticed that the woman was no longer pregnant. And she said, oh, you had your 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 twins. And, yeah, she since the last time Nadia had been there, this woman who was pregnant with twins had given birth to these two babies and got to be with them for 30 minutes before she had mm. to turn them over. Mm. And she said, in a situation like that, I'm not talking to somebody about some new age manifesting stuff, right? This, mm. There's such intense life event struggle going on here that we want to keep it practical. Mm-hmm. Later on in the podcast, they were talking about the idea that one of the, the things from the big book in the 12-step uh, Alcoholics Anonymous big book and the 12-step programs is getting to the point where you understand that at some point in your life when there's something upsetting going on or something disturbing that happened, at some point in your life you made choices that put you in a position where that could happen. Mm. And it's like the hardest line, the hardest measure to accept from the the big book. A lot of people, you know, run away from it. But it's exactly what, you know, Michael Rice teaches here is the idea of 100% responsibility. 
And while I may not have caused everything in my life that's happened, I certainly have responsibility for how I choose to interpret and respond to it. And I have, if I keep my energy focused on what I have control over, I can start crafting a better life for myself. If I'm in the codependent mode of saying someone or something outside of me is responsible for what's happened or what I'm feeling, I'm stuck. And so immediately when she said that, Glennon asked her, now wait a minute, would you take that into the woman's prison? And she said without missing a beat, absolutely. So, you know, while while there are certain aspects of the New Age movement and manifesting an energy world, et cetera, that uh, she wouldn't take because it, you know, and I think for a great part of that reason might be because of the lack of education. Like the foundation isn't there for people to begin to understand it. But there are other things like personal responsibility that she will take and that these, these, she says, these women, they love it because they're not stupid. They're just not very well educated. Yeah. And when they start it's getting things that they can, you know, sink their teeth into or, or, you know, grasp with their mental concepts, then they apply them and they start making good use of them. Mm-hmm. I like how you worked your way into into that. I agree totally. It just takes setting some groundwork, and then you can get to the manifesting, but you wouldn't call it that, and you wouldn't jump to that. You'd work your way toward it, like back end, too. It's, it's true. Well, and, you know, the uh, whatever you just said just sparked this in my mind. Dale Allen Hoffman would talk about how if you go into a Christian bookstore and mm-hmm. ask, you know, for stuff about the Bible or the Talmud or um, any Muslim text or whatever, you're going to get a very skewed opinion. They'll give you books on it, and you'll get Mm -hmm. educated about it from their perspective. Right. right? It's like like if you you go into... any particular religion and their their bookstore, you're going to get books and authors that write things that validate their religious perspective. Right. But not necessarily anything that's historically accurate or that's full spectrum. Mm-hmm. So once educated, I mean, there are a lot of, a lot of people who are very bright, and they've ingested and digested all kinds of books about their religion and culture, and and they've formed these very solid perspectives and opinions. But they're so uh, their focus is so myopic, you know that. Um, when, when I was getting uh, exposed to the Christian science movement, mm-hmm. the Christian science as a religion, yeah. what one of the things that, um, and this is what Pierre Pradervan said, it was wonderful, it's wonderful, wonderful, except that it's 
so close-minded. It's so much our way or the highway that, mm. you know, what I learned from being very good friends with a woman who was born and raised in that religious tradition is that the only people that they are they are um, told or, or encouraged to read are people who have been vetted by the Christian science community and become Christian science um, speakers in right. that speaker circuit. Mm-hmm. And so when I did a book club for four and a half years with these Christian science people, they were blown away by some of the books we were reading and some of the similarities that that were not, you know, well, that's Christian science. Well, no, that's just, you know, that's Michael Rice's work or that's Guy Finley's mm-hmm. work or that's, mm-hmm. you know, Pierre Pratervan's work. And they were just shocked that anything mm-hmm. other than a Christian science speaker <laughs> could have some truth in them. Right. Mm. So I would imagine that that Nadia would understand that the more these women get educated, the more she would be able to share with them things that, you know, Michael would say, in the beginning they just wouldn't have the brain cells for it. Yeah. What was the episode? Tweet 257? That's a number. I'm going to pull it up here in just a minute. Yes, 257. How okay. to finally forgive. And and, and, and the, the, the key to the answer to the question of how to finally forgive is, um, you know, Nadia was talking about how she had a um, a, a dear, sweet, true love who broke her heart years before and then they each went their own ways and got married or whatever and she had her addiction problem etc and and um and somewhere down the line at 40 or some years old she ran into a friend of her old love and he said hey you guys are both divorced you should get together and so they did and he asked her, when did you forgive me? Um. And she said, when I realized how much I had done to create the pain that I experienced when you left. She said, in my life, growing up, I just didn't think I was worth much. And and when you loved me, I all of a sudden felt like I had value. He was a, you know, he was a a musician and and popular and and so all of a sudden she felt like she had value and then of mm. course went somewhere on a gig or something and fell in love with somebody else and she said and now all of a sudden I didn't have value she had all the value mm-hmm. and so she you know retreated into her drugs and alcohol and whatever and uh and when she woke up and realized that that was a completely unrealistic set of expectations to put on a relationship you know to fill this god-sized hole inside of her Mm. that's when she said oh look what i did 
look what mm-hmm. I tried to make that relationship be in my life. Mm. And that's when the forgiveness work for her really had substance. And he could tell that she had forgiven him. Yeah, they were, you know, they had that um, dinner, that reconnection or whatever, and they fell back in love again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. And, of course, you know, in in the work that Michael does here, this would be called pardoning. But Mm -hmm. it would also, without realizing it, it would also be the core of this forgiveness process because she dismantled the judgment that he was the one that caused her her pain. She saw that full responsibility for creating her own pain. Michael would see that as the whole deal, too, I think. It wasn't just pardoning. Right. Wow, that's a great story. Well, I have a whole other thing to ask. Unless somebody else wants to talk, I could ask this any time. Well, you better ask now because we don't know how long Blog Talk's going to let us be on. <laughs> That's true. So in our support group, one of our members has been struggling terribly with a a failing relationship. And she said one thing that's helping her very much, and I thought she'd talk about the tools, but she didn't. She said she's been listening to podcasts about polyvagal uh, theory. Theory. Okay, thank you. Yes. I, I, a woman named Deb Dana, she particularly liked. And because she's in our group, I thought, well, I'll have a listen and maybe we'll talk about it on the show. And I haven't gotten far enough into it to know that I like it. In fact, it seems inaccessible to me somehow. I'm, I'm just not. What, what is it resonating. that seems inaccessible? The whole polyvagal theory so far isn't isn't exciting to me at all. I guess I'm not understanding something. I'm I'm loving the idea that she's finding some relief from listening to these podcasts and learning how to find her way back to herself. She's in a desperately codependent mess of a relationship with somebody who's abusive when he feels like it and otherwise very sweet when he feels like being sweet and it's the sweetness is the hook. I guess uh, they call that um, a, a, a trauma bond in na- narcissistic talk. But anyway, so I wondered if you knew anything about that and knew of a well, any yes, other. Well, I know I, I know a substantial amount about polyvagal theory, and uh-huh. you know the vagus nerve is is a massive bundle of nerves that runs out of the head and down the side of the face and down into all innervates basically all your organs in your torso. Right. So it regulates all kinds of physiological responses that are tied to the emotional states that we create when we focus our thought energy in a certain pattern. Mhm. So, you know, if you don't know that, if you don't know that 
when you focus your mind energy in a certain thought pattern long enough, you're actually going to start feeling physiological changes. Right. Then, then you start to believe something has happened outside of you that causes that. Mm-hmm. And so when when people work with the polyvagal theory, the multiple ways in which the vagus nerve can affect us from thoughts to emotions to physical sensations, when you understand that and then you're working with somebody in therapy, you learn to pay very close attention to these physiological signs of arousal or of spacing out. And mm-hmm. so you get, you get, it's a very somatic-based, body-based, you know, flood of data that you get and you use actively when you're doing therapy. Mm-hmm. And so it opens up an understanding for people to help them reconnect to this flood of information that most of us have been trained to shut off from and disconnect from. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about people who are cut off at the neck and they mm-hmm. just don't experience anything below their neck. They're all up in their head intellectually, etc. Well, mm-hmm. anybody who's working with polyvagal theory has many extra ways to help people reconnect to their physiological energy system that resonates and gives them feedback and very useful information that doesn't come from the logic centers. It doesn't come from what the way of mastery would call the intellect. Mm. Have you heard of Deb Dana or do you recommend someone else to listen to? Well, I haven't heard that particular name. Um, I'm trying to to um, search real quick for the author that I've studied some of his online courses and books. I can see his face, but uh, mm. the name is going to come here in a minute. Porges, S.W. Porges is the, the gentleman who is um, very well versed in this, and I've taken some online classes with him. Stephen mm-hmm. W. Porges, Ph.D. Okay, thanks. You recommend him? Well, that's he's just one I'm familiar with. It's very solid. Okay, you know, it's research based, and um, you know, when I when I sat through and listened to the videos of his work, it was just right on target. Nice. Well, the woman in our group had us listen to this, uh, Deb Dana, and Deb is a, seems, um, she doesn't use any scientific terminology she she does it mostly in sort of an emotional way, and it's I've found it, and I haven't listened to enough to say this even, but it seems vague and mushy and 
a little woo-woo. <laughs> so I'd love to have a little bit solid grounding. This might help. Well, Dr. Porges has, has been, you know, he's a Ph.D., and so he's got a lot of research base behind him. And mm-hmm. It might be more of what you're looking for. I'll try that. Yeah, thanks. Well, what else you want to chat about? Well, this is personal. How's your knee? You know, I kept meaning to say, how's that leg that you were dealing well, with? Well, yeah, I got ago? very, very fortunate that the surgery was just the right thing to do and the recovery was faster than anybody anticipated and so I'm that the knee is fine. Good. That's great. Well that's all I can think of at the moment. Does anybody else have a hand up? We have microphones turned on for you and Magda and we have three other callers with no hand up. Jeannie's on. She's available. Hi. I didn't know my mic was still on. This is Magda. Can you hear me? Hello, Magda. Hi. Hi there. Well, I'll tell you a quick, quick story that uh, illustrates what you were talking about before, about not presenting something to a person when they're not ready for it. It reminds me very much of what we always learned in teaching, that you have to meet the student where they are. And um, it's so true with all of the students, whether they're kids or adults, doesn't matter. Uh, and this is a story Chuck told me about a friend of his who was actually um, confiding in him about something that had happened to her many years earlier, which did include um, an abusive sexual situation. And I think he probably had just learned about taking responsibility in, in the way that Michael Wright teaches it. And he began to tell her that in reality, you know, she had somehow created that. I don't know what, what language he actually used. And of course, she was not in any place at that point to accept responsibility and understand what he was saying. And so she literally left the room and got a gun and told him to leave the house. So it can be dangerous for a person um, to hear something they're not ready for in terms of their own emotional um, wellness. It can also be dangerous for the person who is delivering the message. Uh, so it's about reading the room, reading the person, and, and finding out what is appropriate. I just wanted to add that little bit in that little minute. Good enough. It's it's all true that uh, there are a lot of us who've been in the teaching professions have run into experiences yeah. like that. Yes, yes. Well, I'm going to take this last moment to wish everyone happy holidays in whichever way you celebrate, if you do celebrate. Bless us all. Thank you. Same to you. Um Julia, who is uh, a, a new uh, a new support group participant, 
chimed in in the chat room about um, a book by, I think it's a book by um, Stephen Porges, Bringing Polyvagal Theory to Life for Therapists and Clinicians with uh, Stephen Porges and Deb Dana. So that might be the same person that Susan was talking about, Deb Dana. Yeah. And and Stephen would be the more research-oriented person in that connection. And so she put that in the uh, chat room. And mm. she also wishes everybody happy holidays. Mm. You too. I, um, I, I will wish the same to everyone. I will be... Uh, with family this next week, so there'll be some uh, recordings that, depending upon the technology, Jeannie will or will not play in my absence. And uh, for now, I'll just remind everybody that we come from love, we're made of love, we actually are love, and everything else is false, and wish everybody safe and healthy and happy holidays. Thanks, Dr. Tim. And you too, Dr. Tim. You too, yeah. Blessings. Thanks. So, as we continue, and we hope that Blog Talk hangs in there with us, um, we welcome you to the second hour of Blog Talk Radio, of Mind Shifters Radio. And today is Friday, December 22nd, 2023. And just like uh, everyone else said, as you're going into the holy days, however you celebrate, uh, we hope that you're blessed and have a joyful gathering. And we are here if, you know, the holy days brings up something, you know, within you, some issues from your past or, you know, that maybe there's dread or something, we're here to support you. Uh, Today we'll be... um, you know, the last day before Christmas. We'll be back on Monday. We're planning on being live every day next week as long as Blog Talk allows us in. And, uh, yes, Dr. Tim, I will play your recordings. Be sure and send me the list. And Michael has joined us. And so I'm going to first say welcome, Michael, and then uh, let you know that I did get a, uh, a email from someone with a question. So whenever you're ready for that. So welcome. Cool, sweet. Well, welcome everybody. Delighted that you're here. Glad that uh, we've finally got into uh, into the show. Uh, the first ten minutes or so, we couldn't get in, so uh, I guess they're still having some difficulties at Blog Talk, but hopefully, get those they'll get those worked out quickly, and and we'll be solidly back in place. And uh, if you've got a question, Jeannie, let's just go for that right off the bat. Let's let's do it. Okay. Um, she goes by the name of um, Alexi. She used to be Danielle, and she says, "Hey guys, I love your work. I'm always sharing it as often as possible." We met back in Vegas in 2010 before I had my son Hayden uh, in 2011. I was going over your Power Person worksheet and love it. No, so true. How we go back and resist our Power Person when we're under stress. So mine was my mom. She died when I was 18 after a long battle with cancer. When I date a man who is older than me, um, I'm going to mute a couple people. We're getting some feedback here. Um, When I date a man who is older than me, I revert back to the stress coping mechanism I had with my mom, which was to run away, to avoid, or to walk on eggshells, self-efface, and fawn. 
I did quite a lot of work on this, and I felt that my adult self came in to show my mom was no longer my power person, that she has gone and I'm the adult now, I'm the mom. I had a strong wave of love come in for my mom and saw that she was doing her best. I felt love for her again, which I hadn't in a long time. And I felt that I had released her as my power person. I dismantled the idea that she even was my power person. I also did the pineal gland energy work that Michael does with the two pencils. I felt a big release. Is there anything else that you can recommend? As you know, I have been doing this work with you and the forgiveness worksheets since 2010. So perhaps this pattern with my partner will soften as I keep practicing this power person worksheet. Thank you for any advice. Awesome. Well, delighted that you've been on board for for that long and uh, holding the space. It would be cool to have you call into the show if you get a chance and just share a little bit more about what your experience has been. And it sounds like you've really effectively been using the tools, so congratulations on that. My My offering would be is what I hear is the possibility that what you're dealing with is a multi-generational pattern, not just something that went on between you and mom. Very likely something that's been building. And when you look at this whole power person dynamic, the behaviors involved, the three different levels of behavior and such, what we're looking at is a deeply embedded energy that is made up of a an extremely complex, looking for the right word, structure of thought disorders. And when those are passed on from generation to generation and nobody has the tools for cleaning them up, then energetically they tend to be reinforced. And as you build to each new level of vitality, you know, that's why, for instance, when we do an intensive, we do a total fresh and raw food program because one of the most common drugs on planet Earth is food. Or should I say the pretense at eating food like sodas and alcohol and processed foods. I mean, they call them foods, but they're not foods. Right down to the point where something I've realized in just the last few years since we've been doing a lot of gardening here in Virginia is that you can't grow food on dirt. You've got to have soil. And most commercial food, the first thing that they do is they spray 10 gallons per acre, as I understand it, of glyphosate or similar killer product, chemical, to make sure that everything in the soil is dead, which means it's no longer soil, it's dirt. And then they plant a seed and try to get life out of death, which doesn't make any sense. So as you discard all of the drugs of the culture and the more common ones aside from food and alcohol and legal and illegal drugs are things like hostility. 
And so as you vitalize yourself, the next layer, the next healing opportunity is going to surface. You know, if you go back to Yeshua, they asked a similar, made a similar comment if we kind of extended in our imagination, and that was they said, well, you know, I have this brother. How many times do I need to forgive him? Is, is forgiving, the way the Greeks translate it, is forgiving him seven times enough? Well, in Aramaic, that phrase would have been, how many times should I forgive as to my brother is seven times enough? In other words, am I going to be finished with this multi-generational pattern of trauma if I do seven worksheets? In Aramaic, he said 77 times 70 worksheets. And, and my take on that, you know, I, I don't think the disciples were sitting there going, let's see, seven, seven, 49, carries 49. It wasn't about a literal number. The 7 7 is a number of completion, and zero was infinity. We will each do an infinite amount of work until completion of whatever that particular dynamic is. And, you know, the power person dynamic is so pervasive that my take is it literally runs the world. And as far as I know, I've never found anything comparable to the power person dynamic, aside from, you can go back into the scriptural quote that says, look to the lives of the fathers for ours are but a shadow of theirs upon the earth. Ideas like that. But in, in really understanding what forms the power person dynamic in a child's mind, and, and again, it's usually a child. It can happen to an adult as well. It's usually a child and a parent, but not always. And we can have different power persons around different issues. And the way you tell who your key power person is around any given issue is you look at when under, when extra stressed, ultra stressed, whose behavior do I do? That will point me to who the power person is in this particular circumstance. And so my take is use every tool you've got, all of the above, and continue to do your work. You know, if I look at my own process, I've been developing this work for over 50 years now. And for me, the most important, the deepest levels and layers of work have been done in just the last two or three years. So it's a process. It's an unfolding process. I would definitely be very committed to the forgiveness, the reality management worksheet process. I don't know if you've got, you know, we've got a one-page power person worksheet. I don't believe you've done the codependence to interdependence intensive. And therefore, we, we actually, in the second, we did two back-to-back -back online Zoom um, codependence to interdependence communication practicum workshops. And in that workshop, though I've been teaching the codependence work for about 25 years, the power person worksheet had always been a single page. As a result of that intensive, actually the second time around, the, the um, what should I say, just the press of doing those two intensives back to back, 
uh, opened the space and we actually expanded the second codependence intensive from 14 weeks to 17 weeks because a totally new power person worksheet came out of that workshop. It's now 14 pages long. We don't put it out there because it's, it's kind of like hand in hand with the intensive. If you don't have the intensive, then it's just, you don't have the brain cells to, to do it. So one of the things you might want to look at doing is uh, picking up and doing the codependence to interdependence communication practicum, self-study. It's a, uh, the two intenses we put together, there's a total of almost 90 hours of video and we cover why is this happening to me again, healing through relationships, communication, did you hear what I think I said, mind shifters and still point breathing. That's the, the focal point of those 90 hours. And it, it has literally all of the teaching, all of the question and answers, all of the processing of two full intensives in a 90-hour um, video self-study. That intensive includes two personal code evaluations, one at the beginning, so you can get a sense of where are the major challenges in the mind. The personal code evaluation breaks our personal code down into 10 different areas so that you can take a look at where are my weaknesses, where are the, the blind spots in my mind, and the personal code evaluation you know, gives you those very specifically and then gives very specific tools for dealing with those challenges. And then at the end of the intensive, you do another personal code evaluation so that by looking at your comparative scores, you can see what the, uh, what the effectiveness has been of your work and what your new challenges are as you complete the intensive. And of course, once you've uh, purchased the intensive, it's yours forever. So it's something that I suggest people go back and revisit and revisit because, well, let's see. <clears throat> I've probably taught the codependence to interdependence workshop. Oh boy, I don't know, 50 times over the years. And I've done the codependence to interdependence intensive mm, twenty or twenty-five times. And it wasn't until the second online Zoom intensive that that new worksheet developed, that, that the brain cells became strongly enough established in me for me to comprehend it and to extend out, extend out this tool for unraveling the power person dynamic. So, you know, uh, that's the, it, it takes a pretty intense interaction and the building of brain cells to just, so that the mind can give us new levels of comprehension of what it is that we're working with. So I might suggest you might want to do that, and you know we've set the cost so it's minimal. The whole program is six hundred dollars. The ninety hours of video, personal code evaluations. There are two additional videos that will explain the personal code evaluation to you, and then you know five days a week with the radio show, we're here to support people who are doing that intensive on their own uh, with personal support and you know questions and answers. So, so that might be a place to uh, to step forward, and if you're interested in doing that, you might drop Jeannie an email 
at uh, J-E-A-N-I-E, Jeannie, at whyagain.org. Other options I would offer is calling to the show live. Let's have a conversation, and maybe Jeannie and I can support you, tap in and see how we can support you moving forward. And or you might want to go ahead and set up a personal session with either Jeannie or myself, and we can see if we can help to crack whatever the last vestiges of that are for you. But it wouldn't surprise me. It would be unusual if, it, if the dynamics of that power person interaction were established strictly between you and your mother, that that's where it started. Because, of course, your mom had a power person who had a power person who had a power person who had a power person. And chances are that you very possibly, on the other end of it, the other place I'd suggest you go is to look at the dynamics between yourself and your son because chances are you are your son's power person. It's not something that people do consciously to their child. In fact, people consciously attempt to avoid it uh, when they become aware of it. But that doesn't resolve the issues, the the core energetic patterns. When you look at how massive a database this multi-generational database we call a body-mind unit is, you know, there is, my offering is there is no computer on earth. In fact, if we took all of the world's giant cray computers and wired them all together, we would not have the capacity of one single human form in terms of its storage capacity, its intelligence, and its capability. So that would be my take, that you maybe take the, the same worksheets that you've done perhaps on mom, perhaps on your partner, that you also do some of that work around your son. Another place to go with it is in some of those situations where you see the interaction with mom reflected today is that you go back and you do the same worksheets you've been doing, only you do them as though you were your mother. You know, you did a a power person worksheet on mom when, you know, event A happened. And you did it from your perspective as the child involved in that interaction or as the adult who was in that relationship with mom as a child. So do the same worksheet, only do it as though you're mom. You, now you put your hat on, you actually ask mom for permission, one, and two, to breathe into her field and to be able to see the world through the perceptual constructs of her mind and do the same worksheet, and you may find another level of insight. So they'd be my best, uh, my best inputs for how to move forward and uh, get through the other side of this one. Uh, the other part of that intensive is responsibility communication. And if you've got a partner that this power person dynamic you know, circles around with, then utilizing the responsibility communication tool will also be powerful in relationship with your partner. The, again, the instruction set for the communication workshop, communication, did you hear what I think I said, for three decades was a one-page sheet. And actually, I, I express often my deep gratitude for the fact that Magda, had 
touched into the communication worksheet, responsibility communication tool way back when she was at Heartland on the support team. And it, it was, as I understood it, her favorite tool, and she used it, and she used it, and she used it. And then in the online Zoom intensive, she was, she was the volunteer along with Chuck to do the responsibility communication. And because of her engagement, you know, we, we, nobody gets to the refined places of these tools without really serious engagement. And Magda had been engaging in it very seriously for several years. I had been engaging it, in it for seven years. And it was still a one-page worksheet until that intensive. And as a result of the interaction, the instructions now that go hand-in-hand hand with the responsibility communication tool is a very intense filled three pages of information where for 25 years it was one page. And so that's kind of, you know, anyone who's ready to really unwind their minds and take their work to the next level, engaging on that level is what it takes. It's the, the process of building the brain cells and developing the ability to formulate higher and higher and higher levels of perceptual constructs until you can realize that the ultimate solution is to be out of your mind and get rid of those perceptual constructs altogether. And that's like, that's something that for the average person would make no sense whatsoever to say that to them. But literally, as I'll oftentimes tongue in cheek say, in order to heal, you've got to be out of your mind. And ultimately, that's what the tools are about. So I hope that's helpful. And if you have any, you know, personal questions, please create this. You're certainly welcome to write back, or it, it works better because I've got the intuitive connection. Jeannie has that. You know, both of us have that's a skill we've, we've practiced for many years and uh, can tap in uh, more easily with a, a personal, you know, hearing your actual voice, your actual vibration is something that helps us to tap in and uh, maybe it will, uh, will help us to support you on an even deeper level. So. Hope that fits and works for you, and we'll be holding the space. Any thoughts to add to that, Jeannie? No, you covered it real well, and I've taken all those notes, and then I'm going to send her uh, a copy of the to listen or download today's show, and then also um, uh, send her some of the worksheets that you mentioned. So. Cool. Awesome. awesome. I do have a question, though. Um, yes. Because she says, she says, you know, that she released her mother from being her power person and that she dismantled the idea that she was even her power person. Um, is that possible? I know that you can do work enough to get past it ruling you or, or directing your voices or decisions, but can you totally dismantle that? I believe, yes, I would say so. Because all it is, all, all the power person dynamic is, is a compilation of thought disorders. And, you know, you knock one out at a time, two out at a time, you get rid of a third one, you get rid of a fourth one, and each layer, and once that's knocked down, then that's going to disappear. The mind will not have a foundation from which to build uh, that reflection that we call the power person dynamic. That would be my take. That would be my best understanding of it anyway. And, of course, ultimately to do that, you'd be reaching back generation upon generation upon generation. 
and cleaning up the power person interactions and the leftover thought disorders of those those generations. Now, like I had shared, uh, we shared this a couple times on the show, but what comes to mind is an example. Uh, we have a young man who's a, a medical professional who had done the codependence intensive. This goes back last year. And his scores on his personal code evaluation are like gangbusters, you know, like the kind of stuff that uh, a person who knows how to read uh, an evaluation like the personal code evaluation would say, well, that's that's almost impossible. Uh, and then it was about three months down the road when he wrote me a note uh, and he, you know, continued to do his work and had my my take would be that he came to a whole new level of vitality, a whole new level of empowerment, and he actually had memories of his father, uh, whose mother was a, ner- a a Nazi nurse in Germany and a prostitute, and had totally you know basically ignored his father, and he had memories of his father drinking out of mud puddles and climbing up on bar school stools as a small child to get a hold of alcohol and had those memories surface. They're the kind of things that ultimately have to be resolved, have to come forward in the presence of active love in order to eradicate that power person dynamic. That would be my take. But when you do your work, often you'll go to that level of awareness that where without without the awareness one can process through some of those dynamics energetically but it takes a a deep level of committed work to get to the point where those energetic patterns could would become cognitive, would move to the level where I can, you know, I can really decode what this energy is is moving in me, and here's this memory of what happened to my father. Uh, here's this memory of my father being an abusive alcoholic with my brother, and my brother going into a psychotic state. This was one of the memories that he shared. Went into such a uh, psychotic state that he never came out of it. And had to process the you know the the trauma of that, so yes, my take would be it can be eradicated totally, and it might take several generations. It would certainly take someone with a super high level of commitment. Does that fit, sweetie? Yep, that's good. I haven't cool. gotten complete with mine yet. <laughs> well, you know, layer by layer. The, the scriptures talk about strength to strength, here a little, there a little. With stammering ears will we listen to the Creator's direction because we speak in a tongue other than love. And as we drop the language based in hostility or fear and literally build brain cells that are keyed only to love, then we're going to, I think, find ourselves 
more and more in resonance with the Creator's mind, which was what was called the mind of Christ in us. Nothing religious about that. Just that we're designed to live out of that mind of love. And, you know, it's a process. You know, I, I pulled, let's see, over the years, I've maybe observed... five to ten people who've gotten to the level in their work where they've really been able to deeply confront the power person dynamic in in themselves. And I don't know of anyone who has totally resolved it, and I'll include myself in that. It is a process, and the fact that, you know, we're the first generation. I I wish I were, you know, it would be sweet to be in Arya's place where she's the second generation of engaging in this understanding and this work and having the brain cells built from day one for her in terms of this work rather than built out of the power person dynamics of the generation. Of course, she has the influence of that power person dynamic with her parents and, and to some degree has had that somewhat with us, but still has been building the brain cells from day one for living truly as that presence of love in the world. And, you know, she'll go a thousand miles further than either of us probably in terms of doing her work and have children who will go still farther, who will go still farther until we get to the point where the hostility and fear-based mind is just gone. This is, you know, can't even be imagined. That's just, that's what I hold the space for the day that happens. Yeah. We do have a hand up. And, and that- Okay, one oh, one other thought I wanted to throw in when you said you you had a question, we we got this question just so if there's anybody new on the uh, on the show that's not aware of it, we do have the world's only forgiveness app. If you go to your app store and type in Heartland, H E A R T L A N D, one word, Aramaic forgiveness. One of the first apps that will come up, there'll be a few that will show up, but there will be one with a red glowing heart, and that's our app. You can download that app. It's free. It's designed specifically and purposely to be very private. It only asks for one permission, and that is permission to use the Internet. Uh, Unless you choose to print a worksheet once you've completed it, and then it asks for permission to save that worksheet to your hard drive. But otherwise, we have no permissions. It's designed to be secure, totally, completely secure, and totally, completely private. And from within the app, on every page in the app, Jeannie set it up so that if you have a question, if there's something you're not understanding about what's going on in this page, you can just click a button, write your question, hit send. Jeannie will get it. She'll read it as she did today's question, and we'll answer it. That'll be our first topic of conversation. So so know that that's available to you through the uh, Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness app. So let's talk to whoever's got their hand up. Okay. Um, I don't recognize this number, so I can't introduce them by name, but 970, you're on the air. Who do we have? Hey, Michael and Jeannie. It's Carrie. And Marek. Hey there, young lady. Welcome. Hey, Marek. And young young man. Gracias. Appreciate that. 
I was we were the sitting light. there listening and listening, and I thought, oh, I forgot to push the one to get in the queue. So here we are. <laughs> awesome. Great, great talk on the um, on the power person dynamic, as always. We enjoyed it. Yes, lots of sparks going off. Nice, awesome. Yeah, that uh, that my my take is if you look, I don't care whether it's churches, businesses, uh, governments, families, communities. It's all run by the power person dynamic. When people are ultra stressed, you know the I didn't I didn't get into the behavior aspect of it, but but basically, and seeing how we've talked so much about it, we can just add a little bit to the the understanding of it, and that is that. This power person dynamic uh, is something that, again, usually happens between a parent and a child. And there are three things that happen to instill a power person dynamic in a child's mind. One, the parent, it's, and again, it's usually a parent, has more power over the child than the child has. Two, that parent is not functioning as a human being, is not functioning out of love. And three, the child perceives the circumstance as survival. When that happens, when you think of the child's body-mind unit as an energy system, the energy system is just laid wide open and becomes a sponge and literally absorbs every energy in the environment, whether those energies are spoken or expressed. You know, the, the power person perhaps never says a word or turns their face away when they're in rage, but the child absorbs the energy of the rage. Once their field opens, it's absorbed. And that energy, once it's instilled in the child, will literally run as long as that person is living out of their perceptual minds, will run every behavior for the rest of their lives. They will only be able to do behaviors based in that power person dynamic. And the three behaviors, there are only three behaviors that they will be able to do, again, as long as they're being run by perception and until those dynamics are resolved, and the thing that determines which behavior they're going to be controlled by, you know, there's this thing in the mind we call the automatic decision system, and it will kick in. And even though somebody says, well, I'm never going to do that again, under the right level of stress, the automatic decision system kicks in, and there we are doing it again. You know, how many people have you heard right. say, boy, I'm never going to be like my father or my mother? Yeah, well, that's a great idea, but if I never go in and clean the, the power person dynamic up under stress, that's what's going to run my mind. So the, when there's the three levels of behavior de are determined by what level of stress we're under. So when there's little or no stress, people will do whatever they did. The automatic decision system will kick in and have them do whatever they did to, re to uh, get along with their power person. When stress starts to build, the decision system will kick into forcing them to do whatever they did to resist and survive with their power person. And then when they become ultra-stressed, they'll do what their power person did to them that they hated the most. And my right. offering is that's literally what runs the world. And as far as I know, that block of information has never been available on the planet before. And so we've got a worksheet for that. We've got an app for that. <laughs> so what's on your minds today? And it's nice to hear your voice. It's good. It'll be, I've been looking forward to having a conversation with you.
Are you there? Hello? Hello? Okay, you're back. I, I, I lost okay. you there for a moment. Yeah. That was yeah, our yeah. technical it's, issue. Yeah, but we're here. Okay. Um, Welcome back. Yeah. Thank Gracias. you. Yeah, you know, um, I don't. Do you want to mention uh, about what you watched in the video? Really? Um. I I one of the things that I, you're bringing up for me is uh, last week I called in the hour earlier and I talked with Dr. Tim about um, some young people that I have doing some work for me in the Philippines and one has an issue of not showing up and not communicating and. We kind of went into, you know, when in my life did I not show up? And um, so that was a really interesting, definitely tied into my power person dynamic with my dad and the frustrations that have come up with that and, you know, doing work, doing a bunch of worksheets and working on it to clear right. it from my own system. Of course, it's not 100% clear yet, but um, but I still feel like I have to do something with this person, which is, not continue having them not show up for me. You know, it's it's been right. really difficult. Um, so it's just and, and notice, balance. Go ahead. Yeah. Notice notice that you know one of the things if we listen to Yeshua two thousand years ago, he says the power of life and death is in our words. And my take is the reason the power of life and death is in our words is because our words reflect the frequencies with which we're creating our lives. And one of the things that inhibits resolving an issue is that we haven't freed the mind of the frequency of the issue deeply enough yet to be able to go to the solution side of the equation. So the conversation right. is about the problem rather than, well, I haven't, I haven't come to the point where I'm, I'm ready for my intuition to show me how I can resolve this if there's any last vestige of this energy in me and how I can resolve it with this person so they feel good about themselves and they feel great about showing up and they show up and they're reliable and become one of the most reliable people in the world. When my mind... Uh-huh automatically goes to that side of the conversation, I'm halfway to having resolved the issue in the world mm. externally. But until I can conceive of that, I, I'm not likely going to be able to resolve that issue. Right. We've been through a few iterations of that. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you've been, been sure there, done that. Yeah, I'm sure there's more of it still in me. And um, yeah. well, it's all in me. It's all me. Well, my and my yes, my take. Of, there's a lot of being, there's a lot of playing the same old tape instead of going to the new side, the solution side, and I can see that right. occurring as well. And when I can collapse the you know, and this is the, the purpose of the forgiveness process, a la first century Aramaic, is when I can collapse deeply enough into the structures in my mind with which I construct the perception of them as responsible for my disturbance. 
then I've freed myself of that disturbance and that's when I can enter into the next level of that process. And that's where the responsibility communication tool comes in. And where most people communicate, they, they, no, let, let me back up a bit. Virtually everybody in the world believes that they have a set of eyes that they look out through and see what's happening in the world. And they really believe that that's what's taking place. I mean, the whole world believes that. And my offering well, is that's one of the works. biggest... Say again? Yeah, that that's how it works. But it's not. Right. According to your teachings, that's all... It's not that way at all. Exactly. My brain generates a picture that it paints on the in, on the inside of my eyeballs and i think seeing this out on the inside of my eyeballs it's actually out there when the truth is it's not out there as long as i have a perceptual construct in my mind it first and foremost in, informs me about what's going on in my mind and most people use what in that workshop i i call projection communication and projection communication looks like I have a reality in my mind a picture of you and here's the way you are and I use words that try to convince you to believe that what's painted on the inside of my balls is true about you instead of being true about me and moving into responsibility communication is where I start to use words that reflect my awareness that the picture that I'm looking at is mine about me and painted on the inside of my eyeballs and I communicate about it in such a way with the person who brings that up for me the person who resonates that I communicate it in such a way that I can intact transfer to them an understanding of my reality and that it is mine and I enlist support for the healing of that reality because the person who can resonate it for me you know it's kind of like in nature uh, wherever there's poison ivy there's the antidote to the poison ivy within a few feet of that poison ivy and ah. the person who can resonate something in me is the person who carries the salve for my wound. If I can move out of the projection into responsibility communication and really invite them into the space with me, trusting that they hold the solution and the energy that will bring me healing. And, and that's one way from... of knowing one way of knowing that that. Uh energy is shifted is that I'm no longer triggered. The person can behave, still continue in their behavior, but I'm no longer triggered. And right. then I'll be behaving differently. Well, actually, it, you remind me of a, something that I find, it's a little bit on the humorous side, uh, in The Course in Miracles, that kind of is, it's a test how you, for, for telling where you are in your process. And it's a two-tier test. And the first level of the test is the one that you just expressed. When I think of anyone, am I in a state of perfect peace? That's the first level of the test. And that's the easy level of the test. The second, the second level of the test is when they think of me, do they share my perfect peace? Then I know I've really processed through the issue. And that's a whole other level of 
of uh, of doing your work and say it again. What was the first part of it? The first part is, you know, let's say with this situation, you talk about this person in the Philippines. When I think of them, am I at perfect peace? Mm, so that's the first level of the test. I know I'm really on track. I'm, I'm doing some good work. And then am I complete with the issue? When they think of me, do they share my perfect peace? And I would add another another. Uh, part to it, and that is when my power person that I established this dynamic with thinks of me, do they share my perfect peace? Then I know I've really come through it because, in fact, you know, if we listen to Einstein, Einstein says, on such things as matter, we've been all wrong. What we have heretofore called matter is energy. Energy whose vibrations have been so lowered as to be perceptible to the senses. There is no matter. And if you think you're separate or separated from the rest of humanity, you're living in an optical delusion. The truth is there's that's only right. one of us. You know, and that's a long way from the way our perceptual minds separate us out and make us believe and look like, you know, we're, there are others spread all over the place, but ultimately coming to that place of connectedness and oneness means we've done one horrendously deep piece of work. Right. Not proclaiming I've done that level of work yet. <laughs> and that's the whole point of this hologram, isn't it? Is to experience yes, the non-love and to master the walk back to love. That would be my take, that we actually experience ourselves as that presence of love. Not, not that we love anybody or not that anybody loves us. That's a totally false goal that leads us off track. People waste lifetimes trying to achieve that one, but rather to come to the point where I get to experience myself as, in my own physiology as the presence of love that I, my, my own physiology is a clean and clear enough space that there's nothing that conflicts with the presence of love that I am in my physiology. And therefore I can bring that full presence of love into my physiology, incarnate in the world and extend it out to the world. Beautiful. Um, I love the, um, why again workshop from June 11, 2022, and the whole first part of drawing on the board and the number of times I've been through it. I appreciate what you were saying earlier um, about building the brain cells, building the layers in the gray matter, getting those pathways myelinated. And, and as you're speaking today, I can see the drawing on the board of of the the disassociative side and the and the build up side and seeing all these things makes a big difference to understanding what you're saying now because earlier at the beginning I it it was like gobbledygook. I couldn't get it. And so yep. I feel my frequency raising enough to begin to comprehend what you're talking about and then to be able to catch it and observe it in my own life is is the trick and and even seeing myself reacting or triggered and not knowing what it's from uh and and then shifting from i don't know 
to what is it and and that leads me to the show me and and then little things start bleeding through um but what a journey yeah here's my next worksheet and i have the feeling that it just doesn't ever stop it's just keep more of the same but stay conscious stay loving stay kind accurate yeah that would be it exactly and then just throw out a thought and this is one that's just been falling in place for me maybe the last year to two years as i was saying the the deepest parts of my own work i've done in just the last couple of years but to get to the point and this has been my request now for better than a year is to surrender perception totally to live without perception and to live without memory wow Wow, yeah. And so, alternatively, what is the focus? Well, that's where you shift um, trust from carbon-based memory, which stores information which can be very useful from the past, but everything that it shows is always a reflection of the past. That's all memory can do. That's all perception can do is reflect what's there. It's the replicate mind, as we talked about in that Y workshop. It just replicates what's gone on in the past. And we've come to trust it because we, well, gee, I need this piece of information. And to be willing to let go of perception and memory and then trust that the mind of the creator is in you that has everything you need to really rely on that mind rather than on carbon-based memory. So then the focus is on the present Christ mind? Yes. I'm, and then I'm, you I'm live. thinking of, I'm not doing that, then what am I wanting to be doing? That's what I'm searching for here. Yeah. Well, uh, my take is that you've, you've collapsed carbon-based memory and the past mind sufficiently that you've experienced and observed that there is another mind that's available to you and is reliable and trustworthy and that you know you can trust it and you don't have to go back to the survival mind again. Like you've given up the trust in the survival mind. And so I'm finding intuition in this space that you're speaking of on track with intuition. Yes. My gut feelings, my body, the first you know, the first the first thing that comes up, that place? Intuition becomes, well, not necessarily the first thing that comes up. Sometimes there's an unresolved issue in your gut that's going to, you know, pop up and, and make such a noise. It's going to appear like the, the truth and the only thing that's there. And, and by its fruit, its hostility and fear, you'll know there's another piece of work to do. But uh. intuition, you know, inner tutor, the inner guide, uh, and that's where we're designed to live, move, and have our being. And then through those higher faculties, the, the spiritual faculties, then we get to reach into the actuality rather than, you know, if we think of perception, gee, you know, I'm in a room right now where there's a, a, a ceiling fan with a light and a pull chain and there's a TV and there's a mask over there and there's a mirror over there and there's some art on the wall. And um, 
and there's a phone sitting here beside me. So if I were a fly looking at that, would I say mask, TV, pull chain, phone? No. If there were some infrared energy in the room, I'd go for it and it'd be food. But that's what my perceptual system would serve up to me. If I were a mosquito, if I were a mouse, do I look up and see a TV and see a guy's face on, you know, I've got a picture on the screen that's on hold. Would I look up as a mouse and see a face on the screen? No. I don't think the mouse's construct, mental construct, would be quite that. I mean, it's, you know, maybe its sense of smell is enough to go, oh, there's a crumb of cheese over there, but it sure doesn't see the guy on the screen, nor the fact that he's got a, a receding hairline. You know, it wouldn't mean anything to him. And I, I think that ultimately what we're designed as human beings to do would be the level at which the highest human today perceives and conceives would be to the truth as the flea's perception or the fly's perception is of what's going on in this room right now. That we're designed for far, far, far more than what we're letting in right now with our survival and our hostility and our fear and our wants and our desires and what we think is important. Right. Man, that impresses on me that I have a longer way to go than I even thought. <laughs> but it's all Don't good because all. I'm enjoying now. I'm in joy and, Sweet. and I'm here. That's one of the signals we're on track, I think, is when that joy shows up. You know, something that's inspired me uh, recently, you know, this new um, um, telescope that they've got that's seeing into space, like, you know, the Big Bang is now gone. Science knows that was a fallacy. It's more, you know, claptrap, more perceptual stuff. I believe that what this telescope is now starting to cue us into is telling us what we're capable of ultimately when we really function out of our true being, that we're we're designed to function within that whole structure, comprehend it, and who knows what comes next with that. the culmination of who we are coming together. Beautiful. And, and when we do that, and when we do that in the community, when, when we as cells in this individual body, you know, my take is, you know, in the ancient teachings, when they talked about, you know, the, the mind of Christ, the body of Christ, the mystical body of Christ, we are cells in what they were trying to express when they talked about the mystical body of Christ. And when we stop living for self, we stop living in this self, self, me, 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 and everything perceived is about, you know, what I need to get, then I'm starting to function as that cosmic being that I'm designed to function as. And like, who knows what comes next with, when we get there. No kidding. So my, my, well, my walk as a master initially I, I understood was 
in service to others. <clears throat> but I'm closer now to the the idea that if I'm seeing everybody as myself and as the one, then that's the service that I'm in. So it goes from beyond me to all, as me. As you, yeah. That would be my take. That's where we're heading. And and, and my take yeah. on that is, you know, I may be totally all wet, and that might be just a load of crap. Right. But, but <laughs> right. accepting that and going for that, will be a whole lot more enlivening and a whole lot more fun than the garbage that, oh, we have to decide who's going to win the next, you know, um, political officer, who's going to get the next handout or who's going to make the biggest bucks. (laughs) It'll be a whole lot healthier than anything that exists in that realm, (laughs) even if it's all wet. (laughs) Yes, totally support that. It makes me feel better to feel that way. And that's no. that's the path I'm on. Sweet. I'm I'm doing men's work, um, MKP, and in the circles, man, I'm seeing a lot of me. That's all. That's all I'm getting. The whole key to everything is that it's all me. It's all coming from me, and and as I help myself, I help others. Several months ago. You know, my granddaughter's now five. Several months ago, it's actually about a year ago now, I guess. So she was about four at the time. And early, when she was maybe two, she swallowed a button. And and explained to her why we were checking her bowel movements, looking for the button. I pulled out some anatomy and physiology cards, and she became just enamored. I mean, she would sit for hours and watch videos on YouTube on anatomy and physiology. And wow. about a year ago, about a year ago, she she we 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 had bought her a uh, a skeleton puzzle where you can put the mus- take the muscles on, you know, take the stomach out and take all the organs out, take the covering of the, the torso out, take all the organs out, put them back in. She knows where the heart goes, where the liver goes, what the pancreas does. You know, she's got all that. And, and one day we were working on it and said, Papa, I want to I watch a, a, a video um, on the body. That's okay. So I come in and we turn on YouTube and go to the kids' learning tube. And there's a cartoon uh, kids cartoon on anatomy and physiology and and they they have an outline of a human form like a, almost like a stick figure and inside of the stick figure inside of the outline of the human form are all the organs of the body and so they start with some music and all of the organs fall out onto the, the ground or onto the floor in order of size the smallest to the largest and each organ in turn sings to you as to what its purpose is what it does. And when it comes to the eyes, the eyes, you know, they, they rise up, they're next to sing, and they start to sing. And they sing, I am your eyes, I am your eyes, I see the world around you. And Ari turns to me and says, they don't understand, do they, Papa? We see with our brain, not with our eyes. Whoa. When we realize we've never seen anything ever in our lives, we can't see anything with our eyes. It's not 
physiologically possible. The eye is a one-way energy antenna that lets light in, information is carried on light, and according to what's in us, resonated by that light, our mind generates the world we think we see outside of us. Again, perception. Yes, what we think we see. We think we see. So the collapsing of perception, you know, the fact that this genius 2,000 years ago said, here's how you collapse the false world. It's called forgiveness. It's driven by goals. You cancel a goal, it collapses. In that moment, you get to taste actual life, what, what we're really here for. And when we do the work of developing that, everything moves forward. And yeah. as I say, who knows where it all ends up. but. It sure is a sweet ride, and I'm delighted to be sharing it with you guys. Yes, that's, I love it about your granddaughter. That's what a great head start she has. And when yeah, I first came the first across the, the, the collapsing of the goals, I, I had this huge, what do you call it, when the mind can't can't handle the belief. Um, it just it just stopped me in my tracks. What do you mean cancel? Healing crisis. I thought, I thought my goals were good. No, it's the ah. yeah, the the, the dissonance. Um, yeah, and yeah, and I I, and the goals are good. I, there's no, uh, you know, the idea of the forgiveness process is you don't cancel a goal because there's something wrong with the goal. You cancel the goal because you recognize when you load it in your mind, it triggers into activity some form of hostility or fear that you need to resolve that underlies the perceptual construct your mind's serving up to. So when you cancel the goal, that construct collapses. When it collapses in on itself, you now have access to the root energy that's behind it that maybe goes back to two days ago or two months ago or when you were two or 2,000 years ago. It goes back to that root energy. And in love, you get to process yeah. through it. Yes. And it's usually most of these go back to when I was a kid, pre-five kind of stuff. Yep. And yeah, but the for place most of it, I found it. myself. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.